Welcome to the Jeff Gross Podcast. This episode is brought to you in partnership with Party Poker. Go to PartyPoker.com to play tournaments, cash games, and improve your poker game. Make sure you subscribe to the podcast to hear all of my future episodes. All right, welcome everyone. We got another very special guest. Jennifer Shahade is in the building, two-time U.S. women champion. She is a grandmaster, and we were just doing a chess lesson, so we did cover a bit of that. If you guys want to go back, watch something on Twitch, we, we covered some things. So uh, this one, you know, try to stick to about an hour, and we'll get some questions in. Got the retweet, of course, giveaway as usual. But uh, Jen, we were just chatting. How are you doing? All good? Ready to go? Oh, yeah, let's do it. I had so much fun with the chess lesson, so I'm all, all warmed up. That that was fun. I got to say, like, it, it's cool, like getting at the beginning. You know, and I guess it's like, you know, for me in poker, too, it's kind of fun when I teach people that have no idea how to play because it's like gets me back to like the, you know, the, the feeling of that the initial kind of love and like discovery uh, portion of it. But uh, yeah, so we'll, we'll uh, you know, the lesson was great. And then let's just dive in and get to know you a little better. Why don't you tell me about, you know, who you are, where you're from and, and what got you into uh, poker and chess and what order and break it down for me. Give me a little bit of life well, story. Definitely chess first, because I learned when I was like five. Um, and I actually have a photograph of myself playing my brother, who's two years older, and also a chess and poker player when we were two and four. So, yeah, I, I wouldn't, wouldn't have been playing poker back in those days. But I learned chess super young. I'm from Philadelphia, from the city. I still live in Philadelphia. I spent a while in New York. I love New York, too. But uh, Philly's my town, and I got really into chess in high school. So I would say I picked it up, learned the rules from my father, who's a multiple-time PA state champion and a senior master, but I didn't click with it right away. So that's interesting because a lot of times people who get really good at stuff, they click with it immediately, but not everyone. And then there's a bit of like a confirmation bias there too because – the people who stick with it, like in poker, are oftentimes people who click with it or run well at the very beginning. So you actually don't even really know if the people who ran well ran worse in the beginning, whether they would have been good at poker because they usually just go on to other things. So it's cool that because I'm from a chess family, even though I wasn't like the quickest with that click, I still was able to kind of gravitate back towards it and have this like really successful career where I ended up becoming a two-time U.S. women's champion and also the first woman ever to win the uh, U.S. Junior Open, which was cool. Just, you know, different females over the history of chess, like just kind of breaking down these different barriers of like events that were only won by men or boys before. So it was nice to have one of those clicked off as well. Nice. And yeah, I also played for the American Olympic team. So that was my career in chess. And then I gravitated toward poker, mostly because my friends from chess, particularly my brother and also a good friend of mine, um, Ben Johnson, um, they were all getting into poker and doing so well. So they encouraged me to get into it. And actually, it was kind of similar to chess. I did click a little bit more with the game of poker immediately and that I liked it. But I didn't do a deep dive for quite a few years later. And tell me a bit, because there's a lot to even right there. There's a lot to kind of understand. So when you say you're, you won this, these tournaments and obviously Queens Gambit, we, we, we mentioned this. It's a hot topic. Very good for chess making. You thought it was a 10 out of 10. You know, if you said even being critical would be like 9.9 out of 10, you know, how accurate and like, where would that, so are you essentially like Beth Harmon in that, where you kind of went to these tournaments and you were winning and it it, cause she wasn't, it was like open, right? It wasn't women's particularly. Can you break that down a little bit? Like women versus open events. And and what is the difference with, you know, cause like in, there are ladies event in poker, although you could argue, you know, it's not like a physical sport, really. So it's not physical, but, you know, what's the difference between with women's and men's and, and how, are, how are that kind of perceived in chess, like ability wise? And why is there a separate, um, uh, why is it separated with men and women in chess when there's not a physical thing, right? It makes sense. The NBA, WNBA, but like in mental, like why? I, I, it's a little hard for me to wrap my head around. I had Alexander Botez on. She touched on it. Can you maybe give me your thought on that and, and how that works and why, and why there is I feel like Alexander Botez and I see pretty eye to eye. So I hope I'm not boring your listeners if I say something similar, but yeah. I'd say as the program director of us chess women, um, the first thing I should say is that most tournaments are combined with men and women, 
right? So that is um, the primary type of tournament you're going to see. Girls and women playing in the same event um, with boys and men. But we do have like special events like all girls nationals or, you know, like you see this picture of my Twitter bio is the, a picture from the, um, the K 12 Orlando tournament. It's a high school tournament, um, anywhere from kindergarten to high school. And that actually was not a girls tournament. That was an open event. This picture is from like a special, um, workshop that I did for all the girls there. Okay. So like the idea of of sometimes having these girls and women's events is that because we're such a minority in the chess world, there's only about 15% of us. Um, sometimes it's fun for the girls and the women to play together so that they can make friends. Cause if you think about it, Jeff, when you go travel and play in poker tournaments, if you're not dating someone, it's often easier to be like kind of, you know, traveling with people of your own gender, right? Logistically. So actually those friendships are really important for being able to like, kind of like travel the circuit and also just like talk strategy. Not right. that, I mean, not that, you know, boys and girls don't talk strategy together, but like, if you're also staying like the same hotel room with them and stuff, it's just, it's those relationships, I think really lead to a lot of successful outcomes. Right. So that's, that's the basic idea, you know, let these women and girls make friends, sometimes develop, you know, life friendships. And also um, sometimes there's prizes, which is good because it kind of uh, incentivizes girls and women to keep playing and, uh, provides role models for girls to see women like kicking butt. That's awesome. Okay. And, and, uh, when you are the director, so you are the pro and director for the U S chess women. And when, when did you get involved with that? How long have you been doing that? I mean, honestly, I've been promoting girls in chess for forever, for as long as I can remember, because it's always been important to me to get more girls and women into the game. Uh, Because I think that chess provides a lot of benefits to people, but I think that somehow the benefits are even more pronounced with uh, girls and women, Uh, like, for instance, confidence, like the ability to like lose yourself entirely in a game and not think about what we call the male gaze or about like your social media notifications. Mm -hmm. All those things are like so important for everyone, but especially for like teenage girls. If you look at these studies of like the rise in depression and how it's correlated with depression and anxiety and how it's correlated with like social media usage. Right. Uh, Then you think about something like chess where you're literally not allowed to have your phone because it's cheating. You're forced into this kind of like bubble of like just being inside your own head. So I've been kind of thinking about how to get more girls and women into the game for really forever. I mean, I wrote my first book about the topic 15 years ago called chess bitch women in the ultimate intellectual sport. And that was like a edgy title with the idea of saying like, Hey, you know, women who are aggressive and like try to crush and aren't afraid to say what they think and to checkmate are often called bitchy. Whereas it would be seen as just like normal behavior for guys. So that was the the thesis. And uh, further, I kind of went into like the glamor of the chess world and like all some of the rock star ladies who became grandmasters and broke down all those barriers uh, then I realized, okay, chess pitch is great. People really liked it, but it's not appropriate for kids. And that's like one of the biggest chess markets. So I wrote like a prequel called Play Like a Girl, which is all about like the best games and checkmates by female chess champions. Right. And so it's kind of been this like lineage in my life of like pushing this forward. And then U.S. Chess Women was like the latest um push in this direction, which has been like really a big part of my life where I'm trying to like raise money for girls and women in chess and encourage them, do workshops for them, connect them. To me, connection is like the key thing. I think that if girls can make friends with each other and network, um, it's just so powerful. Even if they don't become chess champions, it can like just help them for the rest of their lives. Yeah, that no, for sure. It's uh it's an amazing thing. It's just in general to see, you know, games and women. Obviously, we mentioned uh Vanessa K just had that one point five million dollar score. There's been there's been there, there there was something you mentioned that you and Joey were speaking on. Uh that's you know, Joey Ingram about this the most ever watched televised chess event. Is that correct? Just now happened and a young girl from Indonesia. Could you maybe tell exactly. me what that is? Uh, what happened? Yeah, there? so the top female player from Indonesia, Irene Asukender, she played uh incredibly a highly publicized match. 
um, for $14,000. She won 14K and uh, millions were watching it. Um, a lot of, obviously, a, a, a lot of mainstream Indonesian attention. Yeah. And the reason this match was so popular was because um, this player she was playing against um, had been involved in this um, dr- dramatic incident on chess.com where he was playing the popular streamer, Levy Rosman, who's a fantastic player also. Um, he even beat my brother in the I'm not a GM championship. So okay. yeah, shout out to Levy. But Levy lost to this guy. And the way he was playing was like really suspicious. Like he was doing all sorts of weird things. Like some of his moves were like exceptionally good. But then sometimes he would just have like a very, very basic recapture or forced move, but he'd still think for like 15 seconds in a blitz game, blitz game, meaning like you only have a few minutes to make all your moves. So these are kind of characteristics of people who are using computer assistance. I mean, it's not always, sometimes your phone might ring and you just, you know, or you just have inspiration. You find a brilliant move, not always, but a lot of the time, if you have players who are unknown and do things like that, it's. It's shady, kind of similar to the Possel case okay. in poker. Right. Um, so anyway, uh, chess.com's algorithm is really powerful for catching people like this, right? So they shut down the account. And this player is from Indonesia, and they blamed Levy for the account getting shot down. And so the Indonesian mainstream media found out about it and they weren't really getting complete information. They were getting like the information that like their player was like unfairly um, banned. And, Cause it's kind of technical to understand like why yeah, somebody was probably sure. cheating there. Mm-hmm. And anyway, it was a huge scandal in the chess world. There was like millions of hate messages being sent to Levy. He had to shut down his YouTube account for a while, which wow. is like pretty serious because it's like a major source of income for him. He's for a sure. very popular YouTuber. Uh, he had like, you know, padlock all his accounts to make sure nothing got hacked. It was like a very intense few weeks for him. And Irene, in my opinion, acted heroically because she stepped up risking her reputation because she started to get million hate message. She said, you know what? I think that the chess.com's algorithm probably was accurate in this case. And she stepped up. She risked getting publicly defamed, which happened. But then she was able to recover because they set up a match with her and the alleged cheater. And she just totally smoked him, like as if she was playing a complete beginner. Wow. Wow. And so then then and then, of course, the the tide turned and everybody was like, okay. so in the end, chess.com's decision was correct, you know, and and uh, yeah, she saved the day, basically. But so so what what happened to the alleged cheater then? So it's basically now assumed he was definitely cheating. And why was he not able to do what he was doing before? Like, cause he oh, because they it. played in person. They played in person. Oh, in, in, live in game. Ah. Yeah, so you can't cheat. It's much, much easier in chess to ah. cheat online than live. Right, makes sense. Makes way sense. easier because you can like just you know you don't have you don't have cameras while you're playing. So there's privacy issues with that, right? So right. unless it's like a high end event, like when Magnus Carlson has his events for Play Magnus, they yeah. actually install like multiple camera angles. Like from all over the room, but wow. you know that's that's unrealistic for like a r- random game that you're playing online, right? Right. Wow. So so, this, so, this, so then what happened? The guy lost in person, and I mean that. So it's it's got to be pretty intense for that person, though, right? I mean they're basically going to get a lot of. I heat. know you, you wonder why he agreed to play the match, but he did get seven thousand dollars for losing. So maybe that's why, because I, I'm not sure what the average salary is in Indonesia per year, but I think that $7,000 like is a lot of money. Like it's a, it's a big chunk of money. Right. Um, so maybe, maybe that was the incentive. And maybe wow. he thought that somehow like, you know, people can really have, like, if you use, here's the funny thing about like using computer assistance for people who cheat. Um, there is, it's easy to get the delusion that you're really seeing the moves yourselves. Right. I, I, I mean, I've never sense. cheated, but right. I will no, say I, like, I get it. I could see like, yeah. And then they, to your point, okay, I'm getting yeah. some money. Maybe I could win or maybe I've learned while yeah. I'm doing it. And then, you know, I don't know. That's a bizarre, uh, that's super bizarre story. I, I'm going to have to look into that and kind of wild, but um, you know, I'm glad that the one guy's name got cleared and the person who lost, I guess, 
you know, if that assuming that they, they, it's pretty obvious they did cheat, you know, maybe they got what they, you know, they, everything kind of came to surface and it looks like chess got some press for it. Right. No news is bad news. And, you know, they kind of, I didn't realize there was like cheating scandals and, you know, oh, yeah. yeah, which makes sense. There's right. A lot. I guess. But, but the difference is in poker and chess, there's not quite as much money in chess or at least currently, but is that something you think could happen? Could there be chess tournaments that get more money and, and, and become more popular? It seems like it's booming. Is that, is that fair to say that chess is at like an all time high right now? Oh yeah, it is. It's a totally at an all time high. It's amazing. And there is more money in chess. The thing about chess though, there, there's, there's a lot of money, but there's, there's no risk. Like almost everything in chess is a free roll. So even though the prizes aren't as like, you know, dazzling as they are in poker, they're pretty good. If you think about the fact that it's all free roll money, right? Yeah. So when Magnus Carlsen plays a tournament and, and only wins a hundred K that's a hundred K like no risk, right? That's yeah, different than the way poker works. As we were doing our chess lesson earlier and you were explaining about the plus minus, I actually, it, it kind of, and I'm not a backgammon expert by any means, but I know it's a very popular gambling game, right? Backgammon where you get the cube and you can double. I was thinking like, maybe that would be a way of chess. Could they in- implement a cube or something where it's like, all right, you know, you know, you're plus minus at this point, but you know, you're all, you can offer to resign or, or pay play for points. Has that ever been done? Yeah, I've heard about people doing that actually with blitz games. I have heard about that. I think people would usually, uh, yeah, I've heard about that. And I think it's interesting. Yeah. That seems like, you know, with the new game choker, I've done some commentary for it. I know um, you said he played a little bit, kind of just finding ways to, to bring luck into chess as you and I play, you're going to cross me. You and I play poker, whoever's better or worse. It could be close. Like, you're going to have a good game. You know, assuming, like I said, the, the skill level discrepancy, if you kind of have a basic idea in poker, you could win in a, in a lot of formats, right? And all in or heads up or, you know, just, you know, the hand equities and stuff. But in chess, it's just a big disparity in skill levels a lot. What What is, you are a grandmaster. Could you explain what that means and what rating that is? I am, I'm like a, a FIDE master and a senior master. I am like 24, my, my peak rating U.S. chess rating is 2,400 and I'm like 2,350 FIDE or my, I guess my highest was close to 2,400. What does um, FIDE, so FIDE mean? I'm sorry. That's like the international rating system. Okay. So yeah, that those are very high ratings. I mean, they're, they're like in the very top percentage. Like if you think 2,400, like if you're starting out to play, you're like an 800 usually. Okay. Something like that, depending on like what rating system you're using. And if you somewhere like between 800 and 1000 and like Magnus Carlson and people like that are 2800. Right. So you can imagine like, yeah. And what's a how, perfect score? 3, how much there is to grow in the game. Is that a supercomputer's 3000? Um, like even higher, probably even higher, probably. I, 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 that's a good question that I really don't know the answer to because when I watch computers play each other, I'm usually watching one play against each other. Right. <laughs> you know, human versus computer isn't that popular anymore because computer just wins too easily. Right. Yeah. Uh, that's, that's super interesting. I saw that high on Google, like some movie, the documentary, I forget a while ago about the computer and the player playing. Do you remember this? Um, oh yeah. Two, it's um, like alpha. It's alpha go or go. Alpha go. Yeah. Fabulous that, documentary. Really well done. Yeah. That was, that was fascinating. And it almost seemed scripted like in a way where the guy like found a magical move or something. And it was just, they, they did a good job with it, but yeah, it looked, uh, looked pretty cool. Um, how, how they did that. What, what is, uh, you know, I was thinking, and maybe this is just, you were saying we, we spend time on Queen's Gambit, but I would like to see like yourself or Anna Rudolph or the Botez or some other, like, I would like to see some inserts, you know, some extras that are like celeb, like celebrity type chess players and stuff. Don't you think that could have been a nice touch? Like, is that something they just, uh, is, is that something you think they could have done or, or would have been interesting to do? Or it was just so pure how they did the documentary in general. Like, I, I just thought it was well done. What are, well, give me like your critiques on that. And what would you have added if you could have done anything differently? Oh yeah. I definitely would have added myself on. I, I would love that. I would love to be um, an extra in such a production. I think I would learn so much from it. You know, I, I'm involved as like a producer in different film projects. And I think just being on a set like that, it's like my learning curve would be so high. Just the things that you would see and like seeing like somebody like Scott Frank and Frank in action would love it. But okay, here's the problem, Jeff. There was almost no women in the movie except for Anya. Right. So it would be hard. I mean, maybe there were some scenes in like bars and stuff, but there were very few chess playing women. Right. And uh, in that time, there were fewer chess playing women. And I also thought it was like an aesthetic decision because um, that made Beth Harmon really stand out in any tournament hall. 
to just to just remove all other women. Yeah, and no, I, yeah, and that, and that probably is like maybe the when I said I rank it nine point nine out of ten on my first viewing, that was like the one thing I I I noticed. Like I wish there were, a, were there were a few more women in the movie in the series because. To me, it, it kind of represented this type of feminism that, you know, exception, exceptionalism, right? Or like, you know, pick me. There's like one boss woman who proves that like, you know, she's like a man and she's amazing. And like compared to other women who are like kind of just like not talented and pathetic in comparison. Like I just I felt like there was that like a little bit of that vibe. But on the other hand, I kind of forgave them for it because I think when you're making a series like that, you need it to be striking and intense. And the only way to create that intensity was to 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 have that bridge between Beth and everyone else, right? Especially everyone else of her gender. And also, if you really look deep in the in the series, you'll see that they did give some shout outs to the um, incredible potential of female intelligence that is unfortunately often untapped especially right. in those days, like Beth's mother or her adoptive mother was, well, her real mother was like a, presumably a genius, but then her adoptive mother also was like super talented. Right. So yeah, yeah sure. I, I thought that was quite interesting though. For sure. And we, we, we alluded to this earlier. Would you like to make a friendly wager? You think there will not be a Queen's Gambit season two for reasons you mentioned. You also said if it happens, it's great for you and you're, you know, just for chess in general and, and all that. So I'd be happy to, you know, you're offering some odds. I'm, I'd be for whatever friendly wager. I, I feel like they got to make another one. So I, I would love to have a little action on that, but you know, we could, we could discuss later. I don't know. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, it, it should be a very small bet because I feel like I have a lot of inside knowledge. Like I'm, I'm right you there and like, yeah, I'm right yeah. there in the center of things in the chess right. crowd, you know? Fair enough. Well, fair enough. Well, I appreciate that, that you don't want to, you don't want to hurt me, but I would take it for the proper odds. I'd, I'd give a, a bit of action, but, um, but yeah, anyway, that, I don't want to spend all the time on Queens Gambit. It's fascinating. Again, it, well done, really cool. And I guess just great for the industry. And, and where is, uh, where is your poker? Where did you dive in from poker? I know you're sponsored by poker stars. I was with poker stars for a bit now, you know, representing a brand in poker. It's, it's very cool. Big honor. And, and being with a premier company. How, how is that? How has that been? And how did that come about? That came about really because of chess, because they saw very early on, Eric Holreiser brought me in and, okay. um, you know, and, and Rebecca McAdam. And I think they saw that like, they were visionary in a sense that I think they saw this kind of like overlap between chess and poker and having somebody on their team to help like direct that and also just be like a voice to talk about these right. great games. Cause really chess and poker both have this incredible thing in common. They're super old, first of all, which is awesome. And they're also not copyrighted, right? Which I think is fantastic because it allows for such competition. Can you imagine if chess or poker was just like owned by, you know, some gaming company and like only they could run chess or poker tournaments or you had to like go through them to do everything. Right. Um, I think yeah. that, that that's something that's really cool about both games. And, yeah. you know, competition, I think, is is great in general. If you look at the uh, the poker world or the chess world, with like chess.com, Lee Chess and Play Magnus, it seems to like rise all bolts. Um, so yeah, that, that's, and, and not to mention the fact that they're just both great games, poker and chess that you can like spend a lifetime on and yet learn in 10 minutes. Yeah. Um, so no. in the beginning I was doing like some organizing, like we did, we had a great tournament in the Isle of Man, um, that, uh, I helped organize for a couple years. We had like chess poker events. And so that was really why I was brought in. That's awesome. And is that, what would you say, what's your, out of the pie, what are you playing? Poker, chess, other games, what's your uh, distribution currently today? Lately, I have been really involved in the chess world just because of all the opportunities that came from the Queen's Gambit. Like, I basically haven't really stopped working since October when it came out. Um, and yeah, I'm grateful though. Mostly it's stuff that I want to do. But right. uh, just for the first few couple months, there was like an interview um, there was an interview and press related project literally every day. And then, um, that died down a little bit, but there's still many, many opportunities, like many TV and film shoot offs and people who kind of need me for consulting related to it. Um, speaking engagements. Cause a lot of people kind of want to learn more about these crazy worlds of chess and poker. So I've been really busy more in like the speaking and, um, event side lately. Um, but, 
I can't wait to play live poker again. I have to say it's going to happen soon, right? Yeah. uh, No, I mean, it's, it's, yeah, it's on the way there's, we saw in South Florida, the hard rock, they did a WPT sort of stuff getting alluding to opening up the world series of poker. Hopefully it'll be back this year, later in the year, I think maybe in the fall is what's going to happen, but we'll see. Uh, What do you prefer online poker or live poker? And also the same for chess. Do you prefer online playing chess or live chess? Um, hmm. in both, I, I, I kind of like both. I think that with poker, I, lo- I started loving the game itself for the online because I think it suited my temperament more because I got to play a lot of, I got to la- play a lot of, um, hands and also just like think about the game in my own space. So when I started playing poker, I played almost no live. Um, and then, you know, Black Friday happened and I started to dabble a little bit in live poker, um, and I enjoyed the social atmosphere of it a lot. So right. I just love the opportunity to like meet people from all over the world and also to improve myself because in live poker, you got to like dig deep in certain skills. Like, uh, for instance, online, um, if I were bluffing, I would find that I would have no inhibitions if I thought it was a good spot to bluff. I would just do it, Right. You know, every time that I wanted that I thought it was a good spot. Right. I mean, keeping right. in mind, of course, that people I like, call more often online, especially depending on the buy in and whatever site and, you know, year it was. But if I thought it was a correct decision, I would always do it. Now, bringing that to live, I found that sometimes more difficult because it's easy to second guess yourself and think that maybe you gave off a towel and maybe you did. So then then you have to kind of like unravel that process, either get rid of that towel or maybe it's a ghost tell and you just need to bluff. So I felt that psychologically live poker presented some major challenges that online didn't. So I like those challenges. And of course, at the same time, your opponents were, are dealing with those challenges too. So it adds those layers of complexity, even as you're getting so many fewer hands. So it seems like, it, I mean, one of the things I did not like about live poker, I will say, is that there were some instances where you would have like a day of play where there was very few interesting moments, you know, mm-hmm. um, especially if you're at a certain stack size and like they're stalling. So you don't get that many hands in. I didn't, I did not like that. Right. But on the flip side, when something interesting happens, it's like really exhilarating and interesting on so many levels, strategy, psychology, yeah. And, and, and how, how is the, is there tells in, in chess, not like tells, but studying, like when you play an opponent in a tournament or the next day, you know, you have a matchup, like, are you, you know, is there, is there, I'm just curious on like the note in the, in the, in the, the side of uh, pre- preparation, are you looking, okay, my opponent plays this. We went over in the lesson, a few moves, right? Like opening possibilities and, and how much study w- would you say there is like, let's take the highest level. You know, you got Hikaru, Magnus Carlson, these guys, do they know, are they pretty familiar with each other's games? And is there, is there a certain style, right? In poker lag or tag, you know, loose, aggressive, tight, aggressive, a certain styles, more defensive, more, you know, th- I would imagine that the highest levels, this gets pretty intense, right? Like you're like, all right. Oh no, yeah. And they're very different styles and, and, and a lot of different options. Uh, Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. And you're right. A lot of that comes in, in their choice of openings because the better you get, and I'd say this is true in chess and poker, there's some point where the possibilities narrow because you're so good that, you know, whether you're, you know, Anatoly Karpov, who had this like famously strategic and slow burn style to, you know, Gary Kasparov or Hikaru Nakamura, who are known for their aggression. The reality is once you get to a certain position, like if you're a freaking awesome player, you're going to play the best move. Right. So it's 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 more in situations where there's multiple good options. You know, then it's like style comes out. Right. Like, you know, you have um move A or move B and they're pretty similar in in value. It's just that one is more appealing to the hyper aggressive player and one's more appealing to the um, more strategic player. So that kind of probably reminds you of poker too. There are lots of situations where you can either call or raise or fold and it comes about a little bit to style. But then there are some situations where you would just be being a fish if you didn't do X, right? Mm -hmm. So very similar in chess and poker. But I agree that like when it comes to psychology, um, in chess, a lot of it comes with opening choice. So what does your opponent not want to see today? What are they going to feel like? Oh, that was the last thing I studied, you know, or I studied it, 
but then you trick them and play a move like a sub variation that they weren't ready for. And that even makes them more upset because they were expecting you to go right into the main line. Those are the types of things that like psychologists and chess, like a good chess psychologist is going to like just, you know, really get a leg up. Right. Makes makes a ton of sense. And, and your background, what about education wise, where you grew up and then did you you went to school or did you get right into uh, you were you poker came after school, right? Or what it what was your or and, and give me a little bit of that. How did that all flow with chess? Were you playing yeah, I, was always, in school? I was always a good student. I, I went to NYU and I I always really cared about school. Um, I I loved literature and art and that those kinds of things that people think you can't use for anything. Although I, I'm really glad I studied those things because I ended up, you know, writing multiple books and, you know, uh, creating a career that has so many creative aspects to it that mm-hmm. I think if I hadn't had that kind of education, um, I wouldn't be able to see things as clearly or as richly as I do. So I, I feel lucky. Although I do sometimes have regrets that I didn't study more math. Mm-hmm. I, I, I love math now. And I did not take a single advanced math class in college or high school, which people will probably find surprising because I, you know, as a chess and poker player and somebody who's pretty analytical, you would think that I would have studied those things. I mean, I used to make videos for Run at Once about like combinatorics and open face Chinese poker. I, yeah. I didn't know any of that from school. So I had to study it from scratch. Yeah, I studied speaking- that stuff from scratch. That that's awesome. Speaking of uh, that Chinese, I believe you you had a six figure score in this uh, first place, the ten thousand dollar Tony Bet Open Face Chinese Pineapple High Roller. What what what's this about? It's a pretty sweet score. And on Prague, how did this come about? Oh yeah, I was in Prague for um, I guess an EPT for the European Poker Tour, and I actually ended up playing that by coincidence. I mean, I was already playing pretty high stakes and open face, but mostly just on my phone. And then uh, I wasn't sure if I was going to make the tournament on time and I did and I, I hopped in it and later that that night in the middle of the night I won so it was like wow. a crazy day I remember winning at like five in the morning and everybody was frustrated because they miscalculated how long it would take the tournament to run <laughs> that's uh well so you grind it you had to you had to earn it you had to earn on the to, to get it done and you and, and you and what about your live so 2007 this was the first time you started kind of playing playing when did you sign with poker stars when when did you much later play? much later you know when i was like i told you i you know i played poker in like from 2007 to 2011 i played poker but not very seriously what i did was i i played poker like once a year live at the world series of poker it was like a vacation for me so this was before i was really into poker so that that's cool though because i kind of get the the wreck the serious wreck player because of those years I, that's what I was. I was like a serious recreational player. I looked forward to my trip to Las Vegas every year. I always played the $1,000, um, ladies event, um, in like June, I think it was usually. And I, you know, I didn't really have a lot of money. So like, to me, that was actually like, I even got stakes for that. Like I just, you know, I was a chess teacher and like, you know, chess writer you know, I, I, I had like, I like basically the money that I had and I like to, you know, go out and have fun. So like basically the money that I had, I spent and I wasn't like grinding poker up a roll. Right. So for me, that was like a huge treat to be able to like go and play in that. And I didn't even really think about, you know, the idea of actually uh, compiling a bankroll of building up a bankroll until many years later. Yeah. Cause to me, I, I had this like more artistic approach to life that the idea of money was to, you know, write, use the money to have time to like write a book or do an art project. Yeah. That was my, I never had, it never occurred to me, like actually save a bunch of money so you can reinvest it and get, you know, get rich and set yourself up to do that for the rest of your life. That, that took a little while for me, but I did start to see my poker friends doing that. So I think that was an influence. That was an influence. Do you you see chess, like moving that gaming route or, or like for, 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 for prize pools. And do you think, do you think chess, like what, what trajectory would you put chess on with poker, you know, legal sports betting in the U S now uh, things are kind of coming around. Poker's been passed in Michigan, Pennsylvania operators starting to open back up in the U S do you see uh, the trajectory of chess and poker? What's your prediction on those over the next say five, 10 years? What do you think is going to happen there? I, I actually predict a boom in poker. 
I think that po- because partly because I feel like people have been so taken in by chess and poker is also a great game. And I've noticed that like poker entrepreneurs and players, I really respect the way they're taking it. I think that poker subculture has been very patient. I feel like there's people out there just grinding for many years, waiting for the next boom. And I think it's going to happen. Um, you know, there's a lot of like positive forces. Like I saw that happen in chess. There's like positive forces kind of lurking in the background and a lot of good people, a lot of great minds. Um, so I, and then, you know, with the rise of crypto and like crypto doing so well, I think that's good too, because of, uh, you know, gives poker players a little bit more money just to kind of relax and do what they want, which, you know, in some cases, will at least we'll be playing poker, especially when I think live opens up again. Yeah. So yeah, I, I believe there will be at least, I don't know if it'll be like the, a big, big boom, but I think that when um, live poker opens up and when we see, start seeing more states being regulated, right. we're going to see like a kind of a re a reflourishing of poker, which I'm excited for. And then chess, I think is going to have ebbs and flows, but it's always going to be bigger than it was like five years ago. So like maybe, you know, when, when the pandemic's over, there'll be like a small dip because people aren't online as much, but it, it'll all, it, but then it'll go back up when people like kind of miss it. And when like the Queen's Gambit musical comes back out and when the world championship rolls around again, I think we're like, we, we basically have a new set point for chess, like the new, you know, like the set point of happiness. Right. I think like we've created a new set point of chess in the culture. Mm-hmm. And it's just going to kind of like, you know, rise and fall from that. But it's like never going to be the same that people, you know, think chess is nerdy or not interesting. Yeah, that's uh, that's a great point. I, I, it's funny, you know, like the spelling bee on ESPN. It's like kind of this funny thing that's like, you know, people like love it. It's just got this quirky little bit of uh, history and, and people love there's been some cool moments and big words and the characters like I feel like that's something they could really play on now with chess, like doing like do televised chess open tournaments and have interviews with the players. Now they got clips from their streams and, and different things. Like it just feels like there's more content and more chess has got more of a personality now in general, like than it did, right. There's a lot of big names that are doing well. And, and a lot of, uh, a lot of people that are involved with Twitch and whatnot. And do you stream, do you stream often? What's your, what's your kind of, I know you have a podcast. Actually, I want to show that here. And, and you, uh, we have this here, the, the poker grid, which, um, interesting. You say the poker grid, your, your chess, you know, uh, very back yeah. on chess, but what, what is, uh, what's the premise of the poker grid? And, and, and is there some chess in there as well? I would imagine. There is. Oh, the grid. Well, you know, it's called the grid. Is it the is it the poker grid or the grid? Um, go to Episode Finder real quick because I think that'll help you understand what it is. Okay. Um, if you click on Episode Finder, so the uh, the concept behind the poker grid is that I am doing a different interview for every single cell on that thirteen by thirteen grid. So that's what oh, we got wow. so far, and yeah, it's a little chess inspired because I'm thinking of like the flattened grid of the uh the poker board right that it looks that we're we ended up using this to study and to me it looks like a big chess board and you know it just makes it easy to organize information and you know study different runouts and study different like ranges so i thought it would be a fun idea to do 169 episodes and click off every cell in the grid and of course it's going to be challenging because once I get toward the end, I'm going to have to find somebody who specifically played eight, five suited, for instance. Right. But oh, wow. So these are, these are, you're ticking off. Hand. Yeah. So I was going to say, I, I thought maybe you were at first and I was like, that's a little wild. If you see, if you're like ranking the, the level of the podcast, like, you know, you can't have someone be seven, two off. Right. That's kind of, kind of disrespectful for like rating your, your system. But so how is it? It's people that like have a hand that's significant in their career or what? Exactly. Exactly. Oh, wow. So people pick a significant hand in their career and yeah, it's been pretty great so far um, because people, so if you click on one of those, you'll go to like the episode that that person picked. And obviously I have to get you on at some point. So start thinking about what might work. Oh, I, this is my girl, Jamie. There <laughs> she, you had, go. she came right out of the gate and picked aces strong i like it you know you gotta know honestly so i've heard it i knew of your podcast i did not know the premise of this this is it's an amazing idea i I think you're number 131 so i'd be what happens when you fill the board what if you get done with the 169 then it's just the grid's complete and you move on to a new just keep going or is that is that going to exactly exactly i I might do like a spin-off i mean even recently i've done some like bonus episodes that don't fit exactly into the grid like i had um you know Maria Konnikova back on um, to talk about actually 
not her poker book, but her other book about like Sherlock Holmes. So I think maybe I'll do more of like the kind of like you have the flow show, more of like the grid show, not like. I, I gotta out. say, I'm. I love this. I, I love this kind of creative, kind of cool stuff. This is this is absolutely. This gives me. I'm. I'm. Congratulations. This is a great idea. Very cool and very well done. You know how it does us. So very, very. Yeah. I mean, if I would ever, you know, I'd love to come on at some point, and I have a few hands in mind that would be that would be fun. But that's. Uh, let me see. Mm, it, it's one that you won with or lost with, or it doesn't matter. Oh, it doesn't matter. No, you don't. You don't have to have won or lost it. You right. just have to. Um, you just have to have an interesting story. In fact, a lot of the better players pick hands that they played horribly. I noticed that, you know, I feel like it's a kind of tendency of, you know, brilliant people to be hard on themselves. So um, like Nick Schulman picked a hand that he forgot what he had. (laughs) Yeah. Matthew Maria. There you go. Brilliant mind. Being hard on yourself. There she is. The author. She's been on my podcast. Really interesting. Great person too. She goes with the same too. Um, So, you know, speaking of, uh, yeah. So very cool. Love love the idea. And uh, man, that's, uh, this is, this is very, very sweet. So yeah, I mean, I'd love to do that. And, and, Great idea. So very, very nice. Guys should check that out. Uh, do you have a schedule? Do you have set schedules or do you kind of just, you, you plug them in as, as the schedules line up or you try to do like a, a weekly or a, you know, a certain set time? Usually every two weeks lately. And then I also have another podcast called ladies night that I do monthly. It's for okay. the, uh, for my us chess women initiative. And then I, I did really, I started streaming in the beginning of the pandemic and I really enjoyed it. Um, at Jen Shahadi. Um, but I stopped a little bit recently because I, I'm a little like, I feel like streaming, it's something that you should do if you're like all in and obsessed because, or if you like it, like one or the other, you should, you should either be all in and obsessed or like it. Um, I really liked it, but for me, that wasn't enough because I'm a mom, I'm supporting a family and I, I wanted to, if I'm going to put a lot of time into something, I want to make sure that I have a chance to be successful. And my vibe from Twitch is you got to be all in if you want to be successful. It- it's amazing. That's an amazing, amazing take. And I, I couldn't agree more. And I'm kind of in that. I, I have a two-year-old, almost two-year-old. I stream very intensive from 2016 till 18, you know, and you're right. You can't, that, That's kind of where I'm at. It's a little tricky, right? You want to be all in or not. And that's like what I kind of like about the podcast. Like you can do it at your own speed pace and it's there and you can repurpose it. But, you know, the, the Twitch is super competitive. It's king of the mountain. It's really hard to pop in. And, you know, even here, like, you know, today I, I do. So I started doing a little bit of a podcast on Twitch, but it's hard if you're like on every three or every two weeks or once or twice a week for a few hours. Like you're just going to not really get the results you're looking for. And you're, it's also to your audience, right? They want consistency. They want to know you're there all the time. They want to bond and, and be a part. So it's like, as long as you're okay with that, it's one thing, but I, I completely agree with you. And it's kind of hard to just be halfway or a quarter or one twentieth in on Twitch because you're just not going to, it's not going to grow and develop really exactly how you want. So I'm kind of in like a, this a similar spot where I'm like, I don't really know. I don't want to give up on it. I built up a, a channel. I like it, but I'm not able to do it every day. I'm not going to be on for five hours a day. We're just, you know, we're at a different point in our lives, right? We have a family or, you know, we have a, we have a, we have a child and you just can't, you're just not going to be on 10 hours a day streaming. It's just, just, you know, doesn't really work. So I, I can relate with you on that a lot. Um, but that's awesome that you have it. Do you have a YouTube channel as well? Do you do any other content places? Well, I also do my like U.S. Chess Women initiative and we have like these girls club classes every week, which has been going on during the pandemic. And that's like one of the projects I've been obsessed with because um, I um, if you go to U.S. There's I think there's a YouTube link in, come there somewhere. I'll, I'll find it if you want. Um, but, yeah, it's like a playlist of all the different pe- guests who come to my classes, which is, you know, really um exciting because we've had like Gary Kasparov, you know, Anna Rudolph and um, Alexandra Botez we've had as well. I'll find it for you. Um, and I, I really feel like I'm doing something innovative in education because what I'm using is I'm trying to use chess as a tool for synthesis, right. like meaning like, you know, creating connections between different subjects. So the idea is that like by learning chess, you maybe learn about geography. Like we bring in, you know, uh, girls from Kenya. So the girls from Kenya and the girls from America can meet. And we, you know, talk to them about how to talk about the chess pieces in Swahili. And then we also talk about like math and chess and just all these different things where I feel like they're just kind of using their brains in ways that you might not normally use as a 10 year old. And I'm very proud of the work. And I feel like it's a proof of concept. 
that maybe other industries can learn from. I mean, that's my dream. I want, I, I create like PowerPoint presentations about it and talk to it about like, talk to it about like corporations and stuff and try to like say like, hey, here's a great way to like educate kids and like, you know, make it so that like at-risk youth can connect more with people all over the world because that to me is one of the problems with, um, you know, upward mobility in society that some people are just like born with way more connections than other people. So we have to find a way to like cut across that. And I feel like game like chess is perfect for that. I mean, poker is good for it too. I mean, can you imagine like the people that you meet in poker that you would just like never meet if you didn't play the game? And it's the same for chess. Uh, So many amazing chess prodigies ended up quitting the game at some point, but they, you know, get scholarships to like Stanford or Harvard because, they meet somebody who's like super impressed by how good they were at chess as a kid. So yeah. that's, yeah, that's my dream to like make the world better through games. And I feel like particularly in the pandemic, I've like found this kind of idea that, you know, was a little clearer than before. Here, I have the link now. I, I Can I put it in the, yeah. can I put it in the chat? Yeah. Put it in Twitch is good. Or am I going to get banned? No, I mean, no, I didn't get banned. Yay. (laughs) So that's like a playlist of like the guests that we've had. We've had like Gary, Fiona Mutesi, who's this Ugandan chess champion. Actually, I I saw your three star asterisks. I don't see, did you put the, the, I don't see the link. I see the, oh yeah. They say maybe they, maybe they uh, didn't let me put it in. Um, hmm. You can send me on the private one on the chat. Okay, sure. I'll put it in the private chat. Yeah, I can open up. Now let's take some questions because I know you have a commitment coming up here. And I do want to get a few questions, do the giveaway as well. Uh, So we have time. Let me just see private chat. Yeah, absolutely. And we can go a few minutes after five also. I don't mind. I'm having so much fun. So I definitely don't want to. This is, I don't want to short is, your audience on the questions. No, this is awesome. All right. Well, here's the here's the link there so we can see that. This is on U.S. Chess Federation. So you do have uh, – looks like you do have the um, – uh, yeah, there's a link. So there's all – you guys can see that. I mean, I can maybe I can post it in there. I don't know why it wouldn't like, – Yeah, yeah, that looks great. And I think I think I sent it to Ghost of M, so he's putting it as well. So, okay. yeah, you see we've got, like, you know, people talking about fighting spirit. And we've got, like, college and chess panels. So, like – those are like from people who are in their like late teens who got into colleges and they explain, if you scroll down a little, you can see that one. They explain like how chess helped them get into school. Um, yeah. And yeah, that, that to me, that's like, that's, that's what I, I want. I want people's lives to be better because of games, you know, this, th- and this was like the highlight, of course, having Gary himself and the director of Queen's Gambit talk to our girls about like why they made the series and, you know, how they created the different chess games for it. That's awesome. That's really cool. Yeah, check that out. The link is in there. And again, we have a uh, ticket to give away here, $55. If you guys want to ask a question, you'll be eligible. And we have a lot. So I do, you know, we'll, we'll, we'll try to keep it, uh, we'll, we'll try to get to as many as we can. And maybe Jen will, if she sees some we don't get to, she can try to try to answer in there if she has oh, yeah. some later to take a look. But let's, let's make sure we get some of these. Again, give her a follow. You can see her, the grid here uh, on the, the, the website here for the pokergrid.com. There's an episode finder. Um, we mentioned the uh, uschess.com uh, or what's a uschess.org. I'm sorry there. And then we also, you can give her a follow. Instagram, Twitter, all the good stuff. She has a website as well. She's got a lot going on, you guys. You got to follow along, check her out on Twitter. And uh, I thought I, there's your website as well. So some, some cool info and, and sort of... Uh, you know, a bunch of different things you're doing there. Very, very nicely done. Let's let's dive in. You ready for some questions from? Yeah, from- let's do it. Let's do All some right, questions. a lot. We got a lot. So let's uh, let's see if we can we can answer some of these. Let's go right here again. You guys can be eligible. All you gotta do is retweet and ask a question. And let's get uh, let's get to some of these. So right off the bat, Sylvina has been asking a lot of questions. She goes. Did you follow the Carlson Invitational Tournament? If so, the game that uh, loses to be eliminated, Carlson, don't you think he was very confident and forced to draw position a lot? That's why I lost, I think. Do you have any idea what she's referencing? That's a pretty specific question. Yeah, Sylvina. Um, I do. I did follow um, most of the Carlson Invitational Tournaments, but I don't think I know about the specific game you're talking about. But yeah, I mean, he is incredible, but doesn't win every single tournament. Yeah. And when he does have a weakness... I don't know. It kind of ranges. If, if Magnus ever has a weakness, is it related to overconfidence? Hmm. That's a good question. Could be, but sometimes it seems that way because Magnus sometimes plays positions where, especially back in the day, like five, 10 years ago, he was often really, really good at getting like tiny, tiny advantages and winning them. 
uh, it's a little bit harder because keep, people keep defending better and better. So sometimes it seems to the eye that like he's just like not trying to win, you know, because like he gets a small advantage and he doesn't win and it's a draw. But of course, that's not true. It's just that, you know, he's trying to win in his way and it sometimes doesn't happen. Right. Yeah, makes makes that makes a lot of sense. Uh, we got a question here from Lucas Leonard asking, do you know the benefits of chess on the brain? They say that it helps Alzheimer's. They say that chess is like doing cardio for the heart. Any any thoughts on those specifically and anything else? There's been a lot of studies on chess, for sure. Um, I don't want to overstate because, you know, my experiences are mostly like, um, you know, individual uh, observation. Um, But yeah, I've I've seen some studies that are promising related to Alzheimer's and also some studies that are promising related to like chess and math scores for children. And my interest is really confidence in chess, like for at-risk use and for um, girls and the stereotype threat that, you know, being good at chess could make you um, less likely to fall prey to the imposter syndrome. So that, that those are some things also I'm really interested in. Um, I like this question. What's the weirdest place you played chess? I played chess in a cave in Belize once. That was fun. That's that's pretty cool. Yeah. <laughs> um, who was your favorite? Great Wall of China. Player? I played in the Great Wall of China. Oh, wow. That Yeah, that's kind of a fun one. Like poker doesn't really work like that, right? Like you play in, in venues and places, but like in chess, you can just throw up on a board, be with a friend or find someone on the, you know, random or maybe they're playing in the park or something and then some cool places. So I, I like that. That's uh, a couple a couple nice spots right there. Who was your favorite poker player to play chess against? Any friends in poker, people you like to battle with are pretty even matched? Hmm, that's a good question. I mean, I think I played Dan Smith a, a, a decent amount in person, not that many games, but he's really good. He's really good at blitz. So like he would be a, definitely a good competitor. I played Fedor Holtz again, who I think is the favorite. Like he's not nearly as good as Dan Smith, but he's he's a favorite, I think, in Hikaru's upcoming tournament on his channel, the Joker's Gambit, because he's really good. Yeah, that makes sense. Those guys obviously pretty pretty good gaming minds. Uh, both been on podcast guests as well, and can't can't I wouldn't root against them. I don't know their chess ability, but I, I would say they're you know just sharp sharp gamers for sure. Someone asked about alcohol when you play. Do you, I would imagine no, but do you ever uh, have some drinks and have fun, or is there like charity chess things or something where you're just kind of relaxing and playing a bit, or, or no no drinking when playing? I mean, I re- I like to drink when I play charity poker tournaments, but I otherwise I rarely drink. I remember once I was secretly pregnant playing in the um, WSOP main event and we had like the most awesome day one table. And at the end of the night, like some nice guy ordered shots for the whole table and we had been like laughing and having fun all day. And I was like, oh, no, I feel like I like take the shot and I like throw it like in the in my water bottle discreetly. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, <laughs> pretend. All right. Well, fair enough. That's a, that's a legit reason. Um, we're at a question here from, uh, IS grind about how many stars do you give Queens gambit? I think we already went over this. You said 10 out of 10, 9.9 out of 10, basically like you're so stars will give it a high rating pretty much all the way up, uh, from you did cover that, right? That's, that's, that's correct. Yeah, that was, that was, that was top top. So I guess like five stars, if you're going in the five star, um, do I play online chess? Yes. Biggest win in career. I guess my U S women's championship for chess. And my first one. And then for poker, like I, I, I won this like shark cage online tournament, the initial stage, which was like worth really a lot of equity. That was like mm-hmm. an amazing moment. And then I also um, the OFC win was really cool, too. Very nice. What similarities do you find in chess and poker? Oh, so many. I think that the focus required to be great. And the approach to studying the game, I think, is very similar in both games. And the subcultures have a lot of similarities as well. Yeah, I, that makes sense. Uh, a lot lot there. What about favorite movie? Is there a chess movie? Uh, Bobby Fischer? I just actually watched that again um, after probably, like, you know, as a kid, I didn't remember it. But I watched that recently and thought it was really nice. But any- Yeah, it was a good movie. I also like Brooklyn Castle. That was another chess movie. And I love that documentary that we talked about earlier, AlphaGo. I guess the other movies I've seen the most are probably, like, um, Magnolia. I love that movie. And then Trading Places because, you know, it's set in Philadelphia. So that that was one that I saw, like, a million times when I was a kid and love both. Very nice. Um, all right. We see what's the biggest trade skill uh, poker player can bring to chess and vice versa. So yeah, give me like a, something that being poker that you could take um, or yeah, vice versa. I love that question. Craig Leonard, always engaging. Thank you, man. Uh, what, what, what was like the number one kind of in each of those and vice versa? 
Chess, I think I think poker players can learn from chess this like um, this very diligent study technique, um, because if you think about chess, we teach chess to children a lot. And so we take it really seriously. Pedagogy, you know, like how do you learn most effectively? You know, there's sites like Chessable that are kind of taking that to the next level. And so I think that poker players are starting to approach poker study in a similar way, but it's been kind of recent, right? So not just like, oh, just, you know, try to absorb information, but how do you absorb information most effectively? That's something that chess players have like been really serious about for a while. Um, And the other side, I think that poker players can teach chess players to be more pragmatic because, you know, in poker, it's all about the equity of each decision and, you know, winning the most, the most money, the most amount of times, right? Um, chess players can sometimes be a little bit more like artistic in the clouds, like looking for the best move. Whereas occasionally if they thought more like poker players, like not what's the best move here, but you know, how can I make the most, the move that's most likely to make my opponent mess up? And how can I also make a move quickly so that I can save time later to make a really critical decision? Just that like killer instinct. I think that poker hat poker players have for equity. Right. That's a that's a great, great answer. We got Ghost of M. Marco, the legend, the moderator, the man. He doesn't miss a stream. He's asking what Jen thinks the growth of poker and chess are linked. What can we do to help both games grow and reach wider audience? Well, I think collabs like what Jeff's doing, um, you know, he's got Anna coming on tomorrow, Anna Rudolph. And then um, also we have Hikaru's channel is going to have the Joker's Gambit coming up. That stuff is great. Just the fact that both um, communities are learning from each other and collaborating with each other. I think keeping that up will help the games grow together. And obviously I love to see it. Yeah, it's, it's, that's awesome. Um, it's, a, it's a good answer. What about your ace queen offhand in the final table. Do you think you had was going to be the hand that turned around the tournament for you? I, I'm not sure what this is. This um, he's talking about a hand in, against Phil Ivy in the shark cage final oh, okay. um, that I, I got check raised in the river and um, I had a tough decision with a top pair to um, call or fold. And I ended up calling and it was the incorrect decision. But well, I mean, it was it was it was an incorrect decision at the time. I was very upset that I made the wrong choice. But in retrospect, I kind of like realized that it really was a very tough spot. So I I feel a little bit more sympathy with myself now. Right. Um, well, that yeah. No, Ace Queen. That's that's a hand I always say. That one gives me hard. That's a hard hard one to play. Right. Just kind of kind of a tricky one. Um, how, do you have many strong female competitors? Uh, I would imagine the answer is yes, but there's a lot of there's a lot of tough players in chess, uh, females and 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 what was when you played that when you won the the U.S. Women's um, Championship, you're were, you're were twice uh, the champion. Did you play the same person, different, and and how are those matches? Yeah, I play different people in both of them. Um, one of them I mostly play men actually because it was like a mixed tournament. I think I played all men in one of them. It was like a tournament where like the top woman won the prize, but I mostly played men because I was doing so well. So that was really interesting. And then in the other one, there's this great legend of American women's chess, Irina Crush. She's a grandmaster and an incredible player. And I was able to top her in one of them, which was, I actually didn't win our individual game, but I won the tournament. I got more points than her. Um, so that was very significant. Very, very cool. Um, what about, let's see. Uh, oh, interesting. Chris Robinson. Let's take a few more. I know you got to get going here. The The Queen's Gambit, what is it, well, other than the Queen's Gambit, what are the key characteristics that keep people playing chess? Uh, Twitch. Uh, content, YouTube, what, are, what is the reason why Twit, uh, chess is just getting so popular all of a sudden? Again, just sort of like a big resurgence. What are some of the things that are characteristic in the game? What do you think people like about chess so much? I think that it's a it's a beautiful game. So it works on like different levels. It's like competitive, but then you can also feel, so you can feel proud that you beat somebody who's a good player, but you can also feel proud just about the way that you played or like even finding an amazing solution to a puzzle. So I think it's important in life and in games and in subcultures that there are multiple ways to win because that keeps people more incentivized. Like I played this poker tournament amazingly and I got a check raise in against a professional player and it was like a really good check raise. Um, That's one way to win. Another way to win is to actually win the tournament. So you see what I mean? Like the more ways you give people to win and now with streaming, I won because I had the most streamers I ever had. 
Like the more ways that you can make people feel good about their precious time that they spent in these subcultures, the more likely we are to keep growing them. You know, it's a great, that's a great point. What do you, do you think, uh, do you have a thought on the NFTs and if the non-fungible token space, and is that something that could be utilized within chess? Like you're saying kind of like golf, right? Like, you know, I'm not a great golfer, but there's usually like one shot on around 18 or two that makes me come back where I'm like, wow, that was like, you know, I had a great shot and you know, it's fun. And then similar in poker, like you're saying, maybe you make a big hand or you get it, you win a big pot versus a player and something could get you coming back. Uh, as you're mentioning chess, do you think that's something like you could NFT a move or a win or, a moment or a picture is that no, is that something it's funny you they you they, there's been a lot of court cases about copywriting chess moves and you can't do it mm. um because once the chess move is out there in the world it's been determined that anybody can display it and actually that's helped chess's popularity believe it or not because it means that when there's like some amazing event um hikaru can stream it anna can stream it um you know chess 24 can stream it so right. it's like you, nobody owns the game. In some ways, it's a little weird. Sometimes you feel bad for a small organizer that like they can't have any ownership over it, but it's also good. It's good because that means that everybody can kind of enjoy and be entertained it by once. And even the small organizer now can start to realize it's actually good for them that like people all over the world can like watch their event. So right. yeah, that that's an interesting thing about chess that actually Bobby Fischer was upset about many years ago, but I think the courts for now still have maintained that chess moves are not copyrightable. Chess analysis is though. So I can't copyright an awesome move that I made because it kind of like belongs to the universe once I played it. But if I have this like amazing analysis and essay of how I found this move and why I played it, well, that's mine. Right. That makes, that makes a, that, that, that's, that's a, Interesting. It's really interesting space. What's going on with NFTs and property and intellectual stuff right now? It's a it's a wild time for sure. Do you have any? And uh, you mentioned crypto earlier. Are you bullish on it? Do you like it? You think it makes sense? Is that something in the chess world that is that popular too? Like in poker, obviously, it is a little a bit, but not as much as in poker. Partly because chess players don't really have as much money. I mean, obviously, the ones who are doing fantastically, like the streamers and like the the top streamers and the top players. I feel like they have like a propensity to crypto because of their, um, because of their, uh, you know, their industry and like their overlap. Um, but not quite as much as poker, not right. as much as poker, not yet. Um, but I'm a little, I, I, uh, often just try to like, you know, learn from people who know more about it than me, you know, right. just, let, uh, let me see if there's any other questions that I really like before yeah. I go. Um, yeah. I do like this, this giveaway. Go ahead. But while we, you can and go through a few you like, I'm going to queue the giveaway up guys and, and give you a chance here. We're going to okay, get perfect. That going, so go for it. Let this is a else. cute, cute question. What's my favorite day in a year? I'm Jewish, but I actually really like Christmas because it's like the happiest day in the year. And I don't even have the stress of the holiday. So I just get to feel like the vibes of everybody being real happy. And sometimes it coincides with Hanukkah too. So I'm, that's kind of a boring answer, but it's, I guess it's a bit surprising from a Jewish person. Very cool. Uh, okay. Anything else that you see that jumps out of you? I know we're going to, we're queuing up this contest uh, right now and then we'll, uh, we'll, we'll pick a, pick a winner, but, um, and you yeah, go ahead maybe one more, any, anything else that jumps out of you that you wanted to I'm answer? Trying to, um, I'm, I'm having trouble with the thread all of a sudden and they're not giving me all the, Oh, now I'm starting to see it. See it. Um, well, this is when I answered, can I see any similarities between myself and Anya Taylor doing in the queen's gambit? That one. Absolutely. Yes. Redheads who love the Sicilian. Come on. I saw lots of similarities with myself and her. I think that like, she loved the intensity of the game and the glamour and fashion. Um, I love all those things. That's one of the reasons I, I love, you know, playing poker and chess, traveling the world. Um, uh, not as much the the alcohol and, and tranquilizers, though, <laughs> yeah. that I didn't have in common with her. Yeah, that that was uh, that was interesting, that whole that whole uh, how, how they did that and then put that in. That kind of you said it, it sort of alluded to it. It wasn't really critical on her success. Right. At the end, they kind of made it. It wasn't really like what was making her great, but that it seemed. Yeah. Like, yeah. But it's a bit problematic for showing it to kids. And then do you think can Vanessa Cade's win in the Sunday million will be good for women in poker? Absolutely. I think just the, um, the story, especially for people outside poker, like the, hopefully it makes some headway in the mainstream. I think that the story of Vanessa and like her 
stance against misogyny and then like winning this massive tournament where there probably weren't that many women. I don't know if the stats on that are clear, but it's certainly not close to 50% is a really um, powerful story. So I think it might draw more women into the game. As for women who already play, I feel like a lot of women who already play are like with us. They just like love it already, but they might be inspired to play some like bigger events. So absolutely, I think it will have a positive effect. And finally, I want to take Austin's question. What's my favorite destination to play live poker? Because I love fantasizing about getting back into the world and playing again. Well, I always loved playing in the Bahamas. I remember seeing Jeff there many years. Um, And I also love Barcelona, which is going to be the destination of the next Poker Stars Players Championship. So I can't wait to get back out there. And Vegas. Very cool. Do you know the dates on that? Is that is that released yet or still up in the air because of what's going on? Just nothing set in stone for that, right? That was uh, Yeah, actually they announced today that it's not happening this year. But Barcelona is still the destination. And yeah, I, I'm still really excited about that when it does happen. And I just also really love and miss Vegas. Vegas is one of my favorite places in the world now because of poker. I have so many friends there. The food there is so great. I just love I love the the hiking. I, I love a lot about Vegas now. For sure. No, it's awesome. Well, yeah, I think it'll be not in the summer, which is like, I believe uh, the last info I got, I think it's going to happen in the fall. And I don't know if that's confirmed or just anticipated, but uh, it could be interesting to be in Vegas in a different time of year too. It's not so hot and give a different vibe to the world series and, and the crowd might be a bit, you know, just different. Everything will be a little different. So that's okay. Well, let's choose a winner for the $55 ticket. Um, you tell me when I'm going to click it. Someone's going to ticket and we're going to we did a double header day. I really appreciate the time. We basically spent the whole afternoon together between a podcast and a lesson. If you guys want to go check out that lesson that was is on Avad on Twitch that we did earlier in the day. So really, again, thank you so much for the for the time today. And uh, you tell me when we'll click this winner and move on to, uh, you know, I'll let you get get time with your son and take a break. And I'm going to be back All for right. a 40 event tonight. So you tell me when. When. When has been called. And we have got a... Winner, there it is, Fabio Albino. I know he's won before. This man is active in the chat. Look at that. He's he's rocking. It looks like a picture. Uh, he's uh, he's a poker player. He's even got Joga to poker in his in his uh, thing. And 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 there it is. We're gonna get send him a message. He's won before. Some guys have all the luck. They can just win multiple things. We'll shoot him a message in general. Thank you so much for your time. I appreciate it very much. Enjoy the rest of your day. And I hope to see you at a live stop soon. And you know maybe we'll get in you know some future chess lessons or or, or if I have some questions, you know. I'm gonna. I might shoot you a message. I, I appreciate the, the time and help, and I definitely learned some some things today. So I appreciate it. Please do. Thank you, everybody, for watching. I had so much fun. Thanks for all the great questions. This was this was great. So again, thanks again. Give her a follow on her website. Uh, you can check out all her socials. She's got Twitter, Instagram. She's got Twitch. She's got things going on. Check her out and the grid. She's got the podcast, which is an amazing concept. I hope to lock in a square, and uh, we'll see we'll see Jen very soon. So thank you so much. Bye, guys. Thank you, Thank Jeff. You. Yeah, absolutely. So, guys, that's it for the podcast. We are going to go live. I'm going to send a raid to Party Poker TV, and then I am going to be back on in about an hour for the Ronald McDonald charity event in collaboration with Poker for Life. So I will be streaming that. Probably play a little bit of live poker on the side, sweat a bit of tables on party poker as well, and uh, we'll have a, we'll have a nice, nice day. So I am going to send the raid. We'll see you in about one hour hour. And uh, yeah, I appreciate it very much, guys. Thank you so much. Thanks for listening to this episode. It was brought to you in partnership with Party Poker. Go to partypoker.com to play tournaments, cash games, and improve your poker game. Make sure you subscribe to the podcast to hear all of my future episodes.